Welcome to Bix and Fritz, Encouragement to Live By. This is a podcast produced by Connections Church, a church committed to reaching and serving the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis and St. Paul here in Minnesota. The vision of Connections Church is to build relationships as we build God's kingdom. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you will be encouraged and receive insight that will help you take one more step closer to Jesus. Hello, this is Bix and Fritz, episode nine, and I've got some good friends here, Matt and Celia McDougall. And Matt, would you just say hi to the folks here? Yeah, hi everybody. And Celia? Hey everyone. We're looking forward to hearing their story, and uh, I think it'll be really helpful and encouraging to people, especially people who are struggling uh, with grief and things like that um, with their story. Now, Matt and Celia, you guys have been a part of Connections Church since the very beginning. You guys were uh, worship leaders helping with Tim, even mm-hmm. back in the youth ministry days, even before we started Connections Church, we were mm-hmm. doing stuff together. So, yep. Um, and you guys kind of got started. You were you were not dating when you started in the band together, were you? At Connections, like beforehand when you were well, doing the youth ministry. Oh stuff. no, yeah, right. we weren't. Yeah. We met yeah. in youth group on yep. the youth group worship team. Okay, with Tim. Yep. But we didn't start dating until my senior year of high school and Matt's first year of college. So we've okay. probably known each other maybe three-ish years, two, three years at okay. that point. Oh, maybe yeah. a little longer. So it was one of those couples that came out of the youth ministry. Yep. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to um, just share your story here. So let's let's just back up and... and uh, um, Talk a little bit about your engagement and what you were looking forward to when you guys were engaged and kind of what you were, your outlook of that day that you guys got married. So, yeah, I could start. Um, I think, yeah, we were just really excited, obviously, to get married. We finished up grad school and like started working, trying to save some money and get ready for that and move forward. And we bought a townhouse and um, from the beginning had the desire to have children eventually and we thought it'd be kind of down the road a few years or something but yeah I don't know what else to say what about you Celia yeah so I was when we got engaged I was halfway through chiropractic school so we planned our wedding I think I took two or three board exams maybe two board exams by the time we got married so that was a little bit of a wild ride Hmm. (laughs) and yeah we got married and then Close to a year later, I graduated chiropractic school. So I think, like Matt said, we were just looking ahead with excitement on the day we got married. You know, I'm finishing up school. We're going to start our careers and hopefully we we're hoping to start a family maybe a couple years down the road. And then right before our first anniversary, we found out we were expecting Surprisingly. So, so, okay. Yeah. Surprisingly. So a little earlier than expected. Yeah. Yes. Was that, and that you had to navigate through that in and of itself, because that's changing your plans a little bit. Yep. Oh, and right. I was a week into practice when we found out. So I had been very tired thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm just having a hard time adjusting to this new pace of working. And in reality, there was a much like bigger explanation for why I was experiencing exhaustion yeah Yeah. and yeah looking at okay lord if the time is right now for us to start a family then that's what we'll be and we know that you're with us every step of the way yeah 
So you reserve to, hey, this is this is our new life. We're going to have to navigate through this and then right. continue on. Go, continue on with that story. So about three months later, or three months into the pregnancy, so a couple months after we found out, um, unfortunately, we ended up experiencing a miscarriage. Mm. And so I was at about 12 weeks. So right at the end of the first trimester when most most people are feeling like, whew, you know, we got out of the woods, we're safe Yeah. Um, at this point. And that was obviously devastating and very shocking mm. to me. I think we all know that can happen. Um, and because it's so common, most of us know someone or multiple people who have walked through that. But for me, I just remember feeling shocked. Like, why is this happening to me? I'm mm. young, I'm healthy. Yeah. And the doctors, do doctors always tell you to maybe not share it with too many people in the first trimester because of that? I know, I know I've heard some doctors say that, but I, I didn't know if all doctors that way or. We didn't um, hear anyone specifically say that. I think it was just kind of maybe culturally that's kind of the norm. And okay. Because, yeah, I mean, the more people you tell that you're expecting, the more now in this case you have to tell all this happened and. Like, just feel like, I, re- I remember when we started sharing with family what had happened, like, just feeling exhausted, like, oh, I have to call my sister too and let her mm-hmm. know. And just like, just having to face it so many times to tell people like what happened and just like bringing it up again and again. It's almost like you're reliving yeah. the grief process mm-hmm. all over again. When you mm-hmm. tell people, yeah. Yeah. Matt, what was, and obviously that was a very emotional time for both you guys. How, how did you navigate through that? How do you navigate through that? And, and what were some of the repercussions of losing a child? Yeah, it it was really tough. I think especially that first day because I was working. I was actually out of town and Celia had called me and explained what happened. And so I was like, I think I was close to two hours away. Yeah. I had to drive home just mm-hmm. like crying for two hours straight driving home and trying to be safe on the road and all this stuff. But um, I think it just led to this this season of honestly questioning like why would God allow this to happen and I mean personally I never I haven't really experienced loss growing up um like had a really happy life thankfully and so this was really one of the first big things that happened to me that like really you talk about grief or pain of that kind I never really experienced it until now and so Mm. I mean being an adult being Mm -hmm. in my 20s and first time experiencing that it's like just really kind of changed your whole outlook on life yeah in general um And I think, I mean, for our marriage, it led to this time of like a a big strain because you're both dealing with grief individually and and you have all these expectations. As soon as you find out you're expecting, you're like, oh, is it going to be a boy or a girl? Are they going to like football and like all these different things that you're excited about? And now you just like all those dreams are dashed. And so just navigating that grief individually, but then also like you're still a married couple and have to communicate well and have to care for each other. And um, it led to like a season of probably a good six months of just really difficult communication was like really broken down a lot of times. And Mm. um, I could sense, and and Celia can share on this too, but like I could sense that she was wanting to move forward with trying again. And I felt more reserved that, well, we should hold off. I don't know if I feel ready or if this is the right timing. And so that also led to just some kind of contention and, and struggle there. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think right away, 
you know, like that, those first few days and the weeks following the miscarriage, we definitely pressed into scripture and oh, yeah. worship music and both recognized, wow, this is opening up a part of my heart mm. and my faith. And I'm connecting to God in a way that I didn't even know was possible because I, you know, like Matt said, we hadn't really walked through significant loss like that. And that was a gift, you know, recognizing amidst the tears, wow, I'm, you know, seeing my relationship with the Lord in this whole new light. And I think for me, progressing through the months, you know, after that, I can look back and recognize I started to try and take it into my own hands a little bit and wanting to pursue starting a family again and struggling with my identity being a mom and dealing with anger of, well, I want people to recognize me as a mom, mm. you know, just because I lost this pregnancy doesn't mean that I'm not still a mom. And mm. so that was something I walked through and, um, yeah, just wanting to take it into my own hands, like I said, and, oh, if we can just do this, you know, that will change the path and, well, I'll feel better, you know, or we can mm. redeem this experience yeah. by having another child, which is definitely one of the ways that the Lord redeems walking through grief is, or at least miscarriage, if you're able to, if he brings you another child or more kids, but having to learn that he redeems in so many other ways. Yeah. Mm. So it wasn't just the loss, the grieving loss. Mm -hmm. It was almost like grieving your identity as well. Yeah. And Matt really, I mean, thankfully, I have a husband that's walking with the Lord and not afraid to hold me accountable and just telling me lovingly, speaking the truth, you know, Celia, your identity isn't a mom. Mm -hmm. Whether whether we're blessed with children or not, at that point, we didn't know what the future held. And yeah. mm -hmm. that's not who you are. At the end of the day, you know, we are sons and daughters of the most high God. And that's the only thing that matters. And at the time hearing that was <laughs> not the most fun. So I was like, yeah, I know that, but I still want to be a mom. <laughs> right. But right. it definitely helped me walking through and just letting go of my desires and trusting that the Lord knows the desires of my heart. And ultimately I want his will to become, you know, come to fruition in my life. So counseling or encouragement of somebody in grief mm -hmm. is just as important as the timing of that counseling or that encouragement oh, as well. Sure. Is what I'm, that's what I'm hearing mm -hmm. yeah. from you. you. It was, you knew that's what you needed to hear, but the timing wasn't right. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. It's too early. Yeah. Right. Oh. And everyone walks through grief differently. I mean, yeah. for some people it is, you know, let's jump back into trying again. And that's what the Lord leads them to do. And for me, you know, and like on a more spiritual level, I knew like my spirit knew that yeah. it wasn't time, mm. but my flesh was like, no, it's time now. And yeah. we need to start trying again. And you did, you guys became pregnant again. Yep. About, about a year later, I believe it was, wasn't it? Yep. I think, yeah, a year after the first miscarriage happened okay most of the day mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then another tragedy yeah. Yeah. yeah at about that was at about five weeks pregnant we experienced another miscarriage 
Um, and and it, I guess there's differing degrees of, of the grief because having walked through it and had that whole difficult year, it was almost like we were more prepared for it because God did so much character building throughout that year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're still grieving this loss. And then I think after that one is when the questions really came in of, you know, is this going to happen? Because yeah. now we have two in a row. You know, this is our only experience with pregnancy so far is is losing these yeah. children. And so you start, I started to question at least, like, is this God's will for us to just never have kids? Is right. this how it's going to be? And, like, mm-hmm. just those kind of questions and... And for me, you know, I felt like I worked through everything I was supposed to, using air quotes around that, supposed to do. I gave myself a year to grieve. And I've been, you know, working to make sure my body, you know, is supported with the right supplements. And I did a hormone panel to check on that. And so asking, why, God, I've done all of these things. Mm. Why are you not delivering on Mm this desire and he just gently spoke to me that is not the way it works and it was just a really humbling experience and he really quickly after that second miscarriage ushered both of us I would think you would agree into that supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding and Mm -hmm. I always tell people prior to this I had experienced it in the sense of Oh, the world may not know why I have peace, but I know why I have peace. And this experience after that second miscarriage, I was even thrown back. Like, why am I feeling so peaceful? Mm-hmm. I, You know, we cried and we grieved it, of course, but I was shocked at how calm mm-hmm. I felt. And that was when I was reminded, this is just that peace that I can't, mm-hmm. I don't even know why, because it's just Christ working in me and That's the, yeah. what scripture says the peace that passes all understanding yeah. Yeah. we can't understand it other than right. a relationship right. with Christ that's mm-hmm. the only way we can explain that yeah so. and I remember one instance after we kind of came to that realization of feeling like we believe we're walking in God's will and his timing is is perfect and I actually had a friend reach out and say oh I know this doctor he's really good he hand, he works with people that you know struggle to get pregnant or deal with infertility or different things like that you know, reach out to this person. And I just remember right away thinking like, that's not what we need to do at this juncture. Mm-hmm. And so just like, you know, yeah. thanking them for, for reaching out in, in a loving way. But at this time, that's not what we need to do. And I just, I, like Celia said, I just had that peace that whatever was to come, God knew. Yeah. And, and we can trust in his plan for our lives. I didn't know that someone had reached out to you. Yeah, I, I, I withheld that intentionally because of... Sure. Well, it's interesting how, because... How it can be received by different people. You know, if, yeah. if you implied, if someone would have implied to you that you're dealing with infertility and it could be prolonged and you need to seek a specialist, that might be hurtful where they could reach out to me and kind of have that buffer of... Yeah, I just think it's interesting because at that point I was making plans. Okay, I need to do another hormone panel. Mm. I need to seek out the reason why. Mm. And then I just felt so convicted. The Lord was like, move forward in faith. Mm. And... I was at this point of deciding, do I listen to what he's asking me to do or do I go with what I think would be beneficial? And Mm -hmm. praise God, I was able to, with his help, choose obedience and walk forward in faith. And that first cycle after the miscarriage, we ended up conceiving our son. Yeah. So, and and how long was that after the the last miscarriage? A month. Yeah, it would have been about a month. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. 
Yeah. And this little guy is now a little over a year old. What's yeah. his name? Yeah. Mac. 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 Sammy. Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> I like to call him Big Mac. Yeah. <laughs> and that story was pretty interesting too because, yeah. um, well, how long? Was well, it around January? Yeah, right. So I'm 13 trying to do the weeks. Yeah, so about the same as the first pregnancy. pregnancy. Celia, Celia experienced some symptoms. So we go to, you know, the healthcare provider we were seeing at the time and were given the, that it was another miscarriage. Hmm. And and I remember when we were in that room and she, the, the nurse practitioner is looking with the ultrasound and she's like, oh, shoot. And, and saying, yeah, it was, it was not handled well, yeah. but, but she's saying it's another miscarriage. And I remember wow. something in me and I just was like, that machine is wrong. You're wrong. I'm taking my wife and I'm walking out. But then having experienced this two times before, it's like this surreal, I can't believe this happened again. But that that feeling just stuck with me, like, no, you're wrong. And then even driving home, we were like, it doesn't make sense. We just had an appointment on Friday. Everything was fine. And now two days later, there's nothing in Celia's womb and all these questions. And they had so many awesome friends and family, you know, just in faith, praying that that was not the outcome of this. And sensing in theirs. Yeah, my mom saying, the second you told us, I've been praying that this was some kind of fluke. My mom hmm. said that, wow. you know, and then... You know, five days later, six days later, mm-hmm. we went into a different place because we need we need a confirmation of is that what's happened or not. And the second the sonographer puts the ultrasound on, she's like, "Oh, there's a healthy baby in there." Wow. And Mac Very is there. So we and call so that confirmation day. The confirmation in our day. Family. Day. Wow. Yep. Well, and, so, and the at the mistake appointment, yeah. I guess that you would, they gave us the option of oh, yeah. do you. You can schedule a DNC, which would be the procedure to clean yeah. out my womb, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or you can start a medication that would speed up the process. And I was laying there and which I Which would basically abort the child. Oh, yeah, right. it would. 100%. So, and yeah. I was laying there and I just said, you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we've walked through this twice before, but I don't have peace with those other options. We'll go home and we'll watch and wait and... If we, if, you know, we know what to watch for, if anything, it was totally the Lord just leading through his peace, which Mm. I found that he so Mm. often does. And then a couple days after the confirmation ultrasound driving to church, I was just like, wow, Lord, you know, this is amazing. And then started realizing, like, if I would have chosen differently or we would have chosen differently, that would have led to essentially an abortion of our child. and. What the Lord spoke to me was from Psalm 91, 3, which says, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And the Lord was just like, I delivered you from the snare. Hmm. I was like, yes, it was a total trap. And praise Hmm. God, we're, you know, able to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And we have others around us that Mm -hmm. are the same and just were like sensing something isn't right with this. And able to get that confirmation yeah so from the from an outsider's perspective mm-hmm. you know you you've you mentioned you mentioned the word of god really ministered to you you called people together to pray mm-hmm. um you guys sought the lord in uh, um around other people um what what would you tell someone who maybe has a friend that's going through suffering through something like this maybe it's the loss of a child or maybe it's uh, grief in another area, but I think specifically with you guys, um, what would you tell somebody who's on the outside and uncertain? You know, we know yeah. that Celia and Matt just lost a child. 
how do I address that? You know, their their friends have kids now, mm-hmm. and how how would you how would you address somebody to who's got somebody? How can they minister yeah. to somebody who's going through what you're going through? I can share two things. Um, one would be you're not going to have the exact words that are going to make this go away. You can't just heal it with saying, you know, a couple sentences and that's yeah. going to make it feel better. So don't expect that you that you can do that. Yeah. But being alongside someone and that recognition that, you know, oh, my best friend Dan sees what I'm walking through and he, I know he's praying for me and he's a friend and just being around and, and supporting in that way and sharing the grief in that way is huge. And then the other thing, and, and this maybe isn't for all circumstances, but certainly for us, um, we had different friends or family that felt unsure if they could ask how we're doing mm-hmm. because they, they thought, well, I don't want to stir it up. If they are not thinking about it, right. I don't want to bring it up and now I've brought them down. But the reality is with miscarriage in our experience, there isn't a day you don't think about it right. mm-hmm. for a long time at least. And so you're not going to be stirring anyone's feelings up by bringing it up yeah so don't be don't be scared to reach out to your friends and family if and that probably goes for any grief like it's already in the forefront of their mind and you're not going to be causing them more grief by saying hey how are you doing yeah you know that's what i was going to say is don't be afraid to check in and i think that you know in our i think we can both agree we recognize that moving forward not everyone's going to remember what the due date was or you know or sometimes even that we've walked through this. People might forget. But when you're in the thick of it, someone asking, hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, someone's thinking of me. Someone sees me yeah. in this grief. And, like, I think we both experience, like you said, friends that share our values and beliefs and relationship with Christ and coming alongside us and listening, but also speaking the truth in love. But yeah providing a safe space to for you to say this really stinks like I had someone say that to me one day at work and I was like it does and Mm. just that permission and to know like God's not mad at me for being brokenhearted or for thinking that this really stinks and Mm. I wish this wasn't happening his heart is aching with me because it's a product of the fallen world and that breaks his heart just Mm. as much if not more than it does ours yeah I just I really appreciate your guys' perspective on that too, and and Matt even before we started the, you talked about wrestling with sins in your life of oh, yeah. you know yeah. desiring other things and seeing other people and and just dealing with sin in your life as you see other people going through a stage that you guys missed for a period mm-hmm. until Matt came along. Yeah, and I just appreciate your guys' honesty with that as we wrap things up here. You had mentioned. Um, that the scripture really ministered to you. And you mentioned Psalm 94. Was there any other verses that really spoke to you during that time of loss and struggle and grief that you can think of? Kind of putting you on the spot there. So. No, I'm like <laughs> rattling through my mind. Um, I can share. I know there's, I'm obviously a big fan of music. Yeah. Um, and there was this song by Andrew Peterson called Always Good. Mm. And he, the story of the song was he had a, a good friend whose son passed away in the hospital and the father like falls to his knees and is crying out to God saying, you're always good in that moment. And so he wrote this song basically that's God can, because of Christ coming to the earth and experiencing the full range of human emotion and everything else that he can empathize with 
yeah. our brokenheartedness. And, um, and there's just some lines in there that were really ministered to me, like um, saying, you're always good. And somehow this sorrow um, is shaping my heart like it yeah. should. And then also another line that says, um, this heartache is moving me closer than joy ever could. So this idea that when we're happy and we're doing great, we have a tendency to, to not seek the Lord because yeah. we feel we don't need him. But then when you're just brought low and you don't know where else mm -hmm. to go, mm -hmm. God can bring you so much closer. And so that, that song really ministered to me and just a lot of worship songs and crying through different songs. Yeah. Two verses came to mind sitting here thinking about it. One is Genesis fifty twenty from the story of Joseph. And, you know, what, mm. what you have intended for harm, the mm. Lord has used yeah. for good. Good. I think with the caveat of recognizing, that doesn't mean I'm going to get what I want eventually. Mm. It means, Lord, this fallen world, you know, it's brought me harm in some way, but you're going to use it for good. You're going to turn it around and your name will be glorified. And I remember mm. early on, we felt, you know, even if, all that comes out of this story in our journey is, you know, pointing people to the Lord and that he was our comfort and that's how we made it through. That is beyond worth it. Yeah. And the other verses you shared with me, I think I emailed you one day before some work event and I was really struggling and you sent me back a long email of encouragement and um, with the chunk of scripture from Second Corinthians 12 when Paul's talking about the thorn in his side and at the end of that chunk, I think it's verse nine or 10 perhaps, um, but talking about when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah. And that really ministered to me. Like in my weakness, Christ is glorified because it just shows that I'm human. I, you know, can't do this life on my own and kind of bringing back to that same point is just giving him the glory that's awesome there's a bigger picture again yeah. it comes yeah. back to christ being glorified i, th I think yeah. of james probably my favorite passage and favorite chapter in the bible is james one and he says consider it pure joy my brothers when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance mm -hmm. and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mm -hmm. And we've certainly seen God molding you guys, and you guys have seen it even more than what those of us on the outside can see, that God is molding you yeah. um, to be a more beautiful woman of God, to be a more beautiful man of God. Is, is it okay to be a beautiful yeah. man? Yeah. Be, be a more mature man. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, that's good. Uh, I'm not going to call you a beautiful man. <laughs> and... Uh, um, I think I got a new name for Mac now, too. I, I like to call him Big Mac, but I think he's Miracle Mac after yeah. hearing, hearing more of this story. So yeah. thank you guys so much for sharing. Yeah, and I uh, appreciate nice. it. We're gonna, I want to follow this up with a, with a uh, part two with you guys. Because sure. you're, you're 14 months into uh, parenting now, mm -hmm. and you just recently dedicated him to the Lord at, at Connections Church. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I would just love to talk to you a little bit about what does that mean to dedicate a child? Why do we dedicate a child? And what does that mean when the scripture says to train up a child in the way of the Lord? So mm -hmm. let's do a follow-up on this and, uh, and do a, a second one and just talk about those areas as a brand new parent. So is that Sounds cool? Good. Fair enough? Yeah. Sounds awesome. Great. Cool. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you.